Welcome to the Sex Positive Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Ann Hanoski, registered social worker and sex educator. This is the safer sex episode. So a lot of feedback I've received is many people only receive the abstinence as prevention type of model when it comes to practicing safer sex. And the reality is sexually transmitted infections still exist. They are spread through sexual contact and a lot of STIs can be cured, but some cannot, including HIV, genital herpes, and HPV. So today I want to go through in a bunch of detail the harm reduction model for having safer sex with your partner or partners and how to discuss STIs, how to have that conversation because your sex partner may not have any symptoms and they may still be infected with something. So stay tuned and let's go through a whole lot of detail that you may otherwise have not received with an abstinence only type of model. And once again, a trigger warning, if any of the information is triggering and you are a sexual abuse survivor, please hit the pause button, take good care of you, and come back when you're ready. And if you do appreciate my work, please donate to my Patreon account and become one of my sponsors. Thank you to all of my sponsors who have helped me create the Sex Positive podcast and provide this essential information. So when it comes to safer sex, what does that look like? And why do we use the word safer sex? Um, First and foremost, we use that word because the only true type of prevention is abstinence. So completely avoiding any sexual contact, including intercourse, oral sex, is the only certain way to prevent an infection. And so that's why we use the term safer sex because you're still engaging in sexual contact and that is how sexual transmitted infections uh, are created. It's important to know we used to call these sexually transmitted diseases um, but that had also changed in terms of you know diseases versus infections and I think the relabeling definitely shows what they actually are. It is a type of infection from one person to another. And they are spread through sexual contact, and that does involve the genitals, the mouth, the rectum. It also can be spread from a pregnant woman to her fetus before or during delivery. And STIs affect both men and women worldwide, and they are a public health concern. And again, although almost, I'll just say all (laughs) STIs can be cured, there are still some that cannot. We do have medications like Uh, antibiotics that do cure quite a few uh, infections like syphilis and gonorrhea, but we are also starting to see some what we call medication-resistant forms of these viruses as well. So STIs can be spread by people who don't know they're infected, and that is why it is important to use protection every time, including oral sex, until you're sure you and your partner are not infected with an STI. And if you are in a relationship, delay having sex until you are 
one, physically and emotionally prepared, and agree to only have sex with each other. Um, This can also be another way to prevent STIs. But the other important piece is having both been tested for STIs. So how do you have that conversation? How do you discuss with your partner ways to have safer sex? And I will just say, if you can't have that conversation and ask some of these types of questions, then maybe sex is not in the cards for you just yet. Even though the partner does not have symptoms of an STI, he or she or they may still be infected. So here's some questions to ask. How many people have you had sex with? How many times have you had sex without a condom? Have you ever had unprotected oral sex? Have you had more than one sex partner at a time? Do you inject illegal drugs or have you had someone who you've had sex with that also has injected illegal drugs? Have you ever had unprotected sex with a sex worker? Have you ever had a test for HIV? And what were the results? And have you ever had an STI, including hepatitis B or hepatitis C? And was it treated and was it cured? So if you're not ready to ask a lot of those types of questions, chances are you probably want to wait. And I will just say there are lots of other alternatives to oral, anal, and vaginal types of intercourse. You can also rely on mutual masturbation as another option or self-pleasure. There are other ways to be sexual and connect with your partner. Um, But these are very important questions to ask because this is one sexual encounter that could leave you with an infection that could last your lifetime. And safer sex practices are probably one of the most important conversations to have because some of the STIs, such as HIV, they can take up to six months before they can be detected in the blood. Genital herpes and HPV, um, they can spread even when symptoms are not even present. Even if you and your partner have been tested using condoms for all types of sex until you and your partner haven't had sex with another person for six months and then get tested again. But in that six-month period, you're going to also be watching for symptoms of STIs. And those are things like unusual discharge, sores, redness, growths in your and your partner's genital area, any pain or pain while urinating. It's also important to know at this time, don't have sex with more than one partner at a time because safe sex with one partner who has sex only with you, but every time you have had a new sex partner, you're being exposed to all the potential infections that their partners have also had. So if you think of it that sort of on a graph, it's like a, it becomes like a web in terms of who has you know, connected with who. Um, 
similar to how we we tracked COVID and you know where was the exposure and how many people were infected from that one person. Your risk of STI increases if you have several sex partners at a time. It's also important to note to use a condom every time you have sex. This is probably the single best way to protect yourself and your partner from STIs. Latex or polyurethane condoms do not let STI viruses pass through, so they do offer good protection from STIs. I will just say condoms made of sheep um, intestines, those do not protect against STIs. So anything that says sheep skin, please steer clear of that. If you are sensitive to latex, please pick the polyurethane condoms because they also do work very well. And so if you're using a condom, usually the complaint I hear from clients is it's too dry, it's painful, it doesn't feel the same. Um, This is where lubricant comes in. So please pick a water-based lubricant such as Astroglide, um, KY Jelly, uh, Pure. There's lots of them out there because it does prevent tearing of the skin if there is a lack of lubricant. Um, that is going to be painful for both you and your partner. And I will just say small tears in the vagina during vaginal sex or rectal sex do allow STI bacteria in there and viruses to get into your blood. So please lube up. That is a very important part of also safe sex practices. If you're a woman, you identify as a woman, Avoid any sort of douching or washing um, because that does also change the normal balance of organisms in the vagina and it does also increase the risk of getting an STI. Good bacteria grows inside your vagina. That is an important part of taking good care uh, of you. When we talk about oral sex, things like a mouth barrier are really important. Uh, dental dams are probably one of the ways to reduce infection um, through oral sex. You can talk about that method with your, your doctor. If you don't have a doctor, one of the ways to make a dental dam is actually with a condom um, by cutting the side of the condom and then it kind of rolls out flat. And essentially that is a preventative barrier as well. And we can use dental dams for oral sex, um, any sort of oral to genital, oral anal. It's a very important way to prevent the spread of infection. And also telling your partner if you've had symptoms of an infection, if you're being treated for an STI, especially HIV or herpes. um, There's a few I'll just say strains of gonorrhea where we do have to go back and test and retest. So you may be in the process of that. Please let your partners know. If you have herpes, especially herpes simplex, which is on your mouth, um, please avoid sexual contact when the blister is present. But if you do have sex with a partner, please use a latex condom and a dental dam. It is possible to transmit cold sores on your mouth um, to your partner and they can also end up um, 
generally. And I can get into the details of that when I talk about herpes, but I will just say, again, please use a barrier method. That is very important in preventing the spread of infections. So I want to go through um, some of the different types of sexually transmitted infections that you can get from being sexual with a partner. The reason I'm going to go through this in more detail is because with the abstinence model, you might not have received this information. It's really important to know a lot of these are treatable. We do have medications like antibiotics that do actually allow the person to recover. But with a lot of them, it's also knowing that you have it because some of them don't have any symptoms necessarily. So the first one I will go through is chlamydia. And chlamydia is probably one of the most common sexually transmitted infections. It is spread through sexual contact. So that is oral, anal, and vaginal. The infection, it does affect the urethra in men and in women it infects the urethra and the cervix. And over time, if untreated, for women especially, it can lead to pelvic inflammatory disease. And what that means is a serious infection can make it very hard or impossible for a woman to get pregnant. It's also possible for pregnant women who have chlamydia to pass it to their babies. And that happens during birth. And if the infection gets in the baby's eyes when they're being born, it can actually cause blindness. It can also cause a lot of other problems in pregnancy like pneumonia. So it's really important if you are with a partner to ask about chlamydia, ask if they've been tested, um, when was the last time they were tested, because this one can actually live, um, especially for women, it can live in the uterus and vagina for a very long time without treatment. It's a certain kind of bacteria that causes chlamydia, and it can be spread from one partner to another. Um, I will just say when symptoms do occur, it usually is pain when you, you urinate, when you have to pee, um, cloudy urine or abnormal discharge from either the penis or the vagina. But you can spread chlamydia even if you don't have symptoms and you are contagious until you have been treated with antibiotics. If you have any of those symptoms, please go get tested. Your doctor will ask questions about your past health and your sexual history and how many partners you have. You may also have a physical examination to look for signs of infection. There's lots of different tests that diagnose chlamydia. What That's usually either a sample of urine, a swab from the cervix, vagina, or urethra. And since chlamydia can cause a whole host of serious problems, it's really good to get tested once a year if you are sexually active and you're in your mid-20s or younger. Your doctor, local health units, sexual health centers, they all offer free testing. Planned Parenthood is an excellent resource. And know that this one is actually very treatable. It's really important to take all the medicine as directed and take the prescription completely. Otherwise, the medication may not work. And both sex partners will need treatment to keep it passing 
from passing the infection back and forth. Um, so as soon as you find out you have chlamydia, be sure to let your sex partners know. And we actually do recommend you notify everybody you've had sex with in the past two months. So if you have not had sex in the past two months, <laughs> even with that person, just contact the last person you had sex with. Because again, it's that network, right? Um, and I will just say having chlamydia, even if it's cured, it doesn't prevent, prevent you from getting it again. So if you are treated and your sex partner is not, you will probably get it again. And it is really important to get tested because quite often we do have people who have chlamydia um, that also have other types of STIs like gonorrhea, which is also bacterial. Um, so finding out you have an STI may trigger feelings of guilt or shame or feeling bad about yourself or about sex. It's really important if that's showing up that you get connected to some counseling or support um, through a group. Um, quite a few Planned Parenthood and in Canada we have public health units that have a sexual health clinic. They do have support groups so I will put those resources in the episode details as well. But you're not a bad person for getting an STI like chlamydia. It's a very common thing to have and I will just again say most people don't know that they have it. So how can you prevent this from happening? Well, one, barrier methods, that's a very important piece. Use a condom every time you have sex. Latex, polyurethane, those are the condoms that keep viruses and bacteria out. As well, don't have more than one sex partner at a time because safer sex is one partner who only has sex with you. And every time you add a new sex partner, you are being exposed to all of the infections and all the partners that they may have had. So this is about being responsible. Don't have sex if you have symptoms of an infection or you're shy to talk about it um, or if you're being treated for an STI. This is how you take good care of your body. And again, please wait to have sex with a new partner until both of you have been tested for STIs. The second infection I'm going to go through is genital herpes because this is probably one of the second most common uh, types of sexually transmitted infections. And this infection can be quite bothersome. Anybody who has genital herpes or herpes simplex on their mouth, um, most people never even know they have symptoms. Or sometimes the symptoms are so mild, they don't even know they're infected because it's the way that the herpes virus works. Because for some people, occasional outbreaks of these itchy, painful sores happen. Um, that can be your mouth or that can also be, you know, for genital herpes, it is your genital area. But after that first outbreak, the herpes virus stays in the nerve cells just below the skin and, and then it becomes inactive. But usually it becomes active again. And from time to time with things like stress, illness, uh, menstruation, a new sex partner, that may trigger an outbreak. Because the virus continues to travel back up to the skin, it causes more sores. And as time goes on, those outbreaks do actually happen less and less. They do heal faster. 
They don't hurt as much, but it is still very possible to transmit that to another person. So genital herpes is caused by a virus. It is not bacterial. It is a virus called the herpes simplex virus, and you can be type 1 or type 2. But either virus can cause sores either on your lips, which we call cold sores, or sores on your genitals. And type 1 is more often going to cause cold sores, while type 2 is more often going to cause genital sores. So it, it is very, you know, possible that you could never have any symptoms with genital herpes. Some symptoms do vary greatly from person to person. Some people have very tiny little blisters that they maybe get once in their lifetime. And some people have continuous sores that do show up. And sometimes the symptoms are so mild, again, you may not even notice or recognize them as signs of herpes. Um, for people who do not notice the, the first infection, it generally does appear between 2 to 14 days after they were exposed. But some people have these just itchy, painful blisters, and that would be on your penis or the opening of the vagina. There would be blisters showing up there. And the blisters break and turn into, you know, oozy, shallow sores that do take about three weeks to heal. And that is a very uncomfortable thing to have. Sometimes people, especially women, will have flu-like symptoms with genital herpes. And that can also be things like a fever, muscle aches, headache. There might be abnormal discharge or pain when you urinate. Genital herpes infections can be really severe, especially if somebody also has an impaired immune system or they have HIV. So it is really important to get tested for genital herpes. And your doctor may diagnose you by just examining you. They may see the blisters, but they may also ask you questions about risk factors and things that you may be engaging in that would make it more likely to get an infection. So if this is your first outbreak, your doctor may have to take a sample of tissue where the sore is for testing. And the testing can be the, you know, the best route to figure out if you have herpes. But we also have a blood test for herpes now. Because it's a virus, we can detect it in the blood. So how is this treated? Well, I'm sorry to say there is no cure for genital herpes. It is a virus that replicates, and while we do have medications like Valtrex, which reduce the likelihood of having an outbreak, there's still no cure for the virus itself. So yes, medicine can help the pain and the itching and help sores heal faster. Again, if you have a lot of outbreaks, you may consider something like Valtrex, which I will just say is a very expensive medication. <laughs> But you may have to take medicine every day to limit the number of outbreaks you have. So after the first outbreak, some people do just have a few more outbreaks in their lifetime. And then I've had other people, you know, share they have four to six or more outbreaks a year. But usually the number of outbreaks decreases after a few years. Treatment does work best if it started as soon as possible after the start of an outbreak. And this is especially true for outbreaks that come back again and again. Um, you may also, just in finding out that you have herpes, again, feelings may show up saying, 
you know, I feel guilty or shameful or you feel bad about yourself or if someone has given this to you and you don't know that they had it, um, it's really important you do get connected for counseling and support. Any person who gets a sexually transmitted infection and their partner knew and didn't tell them, that is a form of sexual assault. It is really important you do get tested and also get connected to the counseling that may help you work through some of those feelings that may show up and taking good care of you is a very important part of this too, emotionally. So can genital herpes be prevented? Well, the only sure way to keep from getting genital herpes um, is abstinence. So if you do have sex, practice safer sex. And that does start with the conversation. Before you start a sexual relationship, talk to your partner about STIs and find out whether he, she, or they is at risk for them. Because remember, a person can still be infected without knowing it. If you have symptoms of an STI, don't have sex. Condoms likely will reduce the spread of herpes. I will just say with with oral sex from partners, um, don't receive oral sex from partners who have cold sores. If you notice any blisters, please share that with your partner. It's a very important part of taking care of the both of you. And if you are taking medication that may lower the number of outbreaks you have, um, it can also prevent an episode from getting worse. It also does lower the chances that it'll infect your partner as well. If you're pregnant, you should also take good care and avoid getting infected. You could pass the infection to your baby during delivery, and that can also cause a whole host of serious problems. If you do have an outbreak near your due date, you probably will have to have your baby by C-section because during um, a vaginal delivery, if the genital herpes outbreaks are there, you can pass that to your baby. So... Please let your OB gynecologist know if if you have genital herpes, that's usually on the screening. But if it does return again and again, your doctor may talk about medications that can help prevent an outbreak during pregnancy. Join me for part two on the essential safer sex episode of the Sex Positive Podcast.